Good morning and welcome to The Primary View, where we bring you incisive interviews and insight on issues affecting and impacting distressed debt, leveraged finance, direct lending, high yield, municipals and covenants, along with private credit, private equity, middle market and private debt. I'm James Holloway. Today, it's my great pleasure to introduce Ajay Bajor, a managing director in Baird's Restructuring Advisory Group. Ajay has over 20 years of investment banking and corporate finance experience. He joined Baird from DC Advisory, where he co-led US Debt Advisory and Restructuring as a managing director. Prior to DC Advisory, he was a managing director in the restructuring group at Guggenheim. And prior to that, a senior restructuring banker at Peter J. Solomon and Miller Buckfire and Company. He began his career at Credit Suisse First Boston and received a bachelor's degree in economics from the University of Pennsylvania and an MBA from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Ajay, um, Philadelphia. So I must confess that my knowledge of sports is limited to Bass Masters and NASCAR, but I do understand <laughs> that the Eagles of Philadelphia are playing the Chiefs of Kansas City in the Super Bowl. On whom should I put my bets? <laughs> well, thanks so much, and I appreciate that opening question. Um, for one, uh, Jim, you've got a, a fabulous uh, radio voice, uh, so I think your skills are being appropriately utilized for reorg. Um, but yeah, Jim, as you mentioned before, um, big Philadelphia fan, uh, raising two girls in New York City. They bleed green as well, um, I, but you know, lots of respect for the uh, the Chiefs organization. But uh, I think this is going to be a blowout. Eagles by at least a touchdown. Oh, okay. And who is going to walk away with the MVP trophy? Jalen Hurts, uh, MVP trophy. Okay, great. Thank you. And now on to uh, the dismal science of economics, as it were. <laughs> um, there does seem to be some optimism in the market, um, despite the Fed's rate hikes. Um, but the blowout payrolls report last week doesn't suggest that the Fed is going to signal a pivot at any time soon. And of course, we have CPI coming up on Tuesday. How do you see this impacting the restructuring market into uh, through this year and into 2024? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I think, you know, broadly speaking, there's even when there's a glimmer of hope, I feel like the market reacts to it. Um uh, you know, my view is that the Fed's been pretty consistent in their messaging. Um, uh, the, the the rate hikes have also been fairly consistent with the messaging. Um, and you know, broadly speaking, as we look into the you know how this impacts uh, the stress distress market into twenty three and twenty four, uh, rates have increased significantly. Um, LIBOR, if we look back to the beginning of twenty two or even late twenty one has almost increased 10 times, right? From below 50 basis points to close to 5%. Uh, that is a significant jump for anyone who has floating rate interest. Uh, SOFR has also increased considerably. Um, and you know, for companies that have uh, a large interest burden, they really need to make decisions now as to how best to allocate capital because uh, a large portion of uh, cash flow is going to be allocated to um, cash interest service. Uh, that means there's less uh, to invest into the business, either in operations or capital improvements. Um, and for businesses that um, that do have, let's say, a tightening liquidity uh, timeframe, they do need to be more proactive into this market. So uh, we do anticipate uh, there to be a pickup in activity uh, through 23 and 24, just as a, as a result of rate increases broadly that's occurred over the past couple of years. 
Okay, thank you. That's a, that's a that's very definitely something to ponder. Um, are there any particular sectors where you th- think there could be more indications or more signs of distress? Yeah, um, I mean, Baird is a uh, is is a leader in the middle market. Um, we focus across industries, but I'd say a couple industries where we've seen more activity of of recent are in the retail sector as well as in the healthcare sector. Um, with respect to retail, um, you know, it's broad-based uh, retail, but we're seeing it within uh, restaurants and food chains. Um, and that that could be, a, you know, an element of um, supply chain um, and food pricing. Um, and then there are a number of retailers that are sitting on large inventory balances. So retail as a whole is is a sector that we're starting to see more activity. Um, Healthcare, on the other hand, for different factors, um, but uh, starting to see some activity as well. Uh, Healthcare services in particular, where there is a large roll-up component to these businesses, where there's acquisition activity uh, for new builds or acquisitions of clinics or um, essentially you know, build 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 outs of the portfolio uh, come with a cost. Um, and in the past, financing markets as open as they were, and fairly aggressive as it related to how to measure, uh, you know, pro forma EBITDA for those acquisitions, or the flexibility in which you could finance those. Uh, you know, over time, you know that EBITDA does need to translate into real cash generation. So there are businesses out there that are struggling. Uh, from a perspective of being able to integrate those businesses appropriately, working capital always an issue in healthcare as well. But broadly speaking, you know, with uh, as we mentioned before, with the increase in cash interest burden, more of these issues become acute when you have to think about how to allocate capital across the business. Okay, thank you. And what kind of restructuring activity would you expect to take place? Are we going to see more amendments or more big R type restructuring? Yeah, I, I think we're we're going to see a, a, a mix of both. Uh, there's been a lot of talk around um, the up tier transactions that have been, you know, broadly uh, covered across reorg um, and. I think we'll see more of those types of transactions and it's largely because there still is a lot of covenant flexibility um, within documentation, credit documentation. Uh, And, you know, to the extent that flexibility continues to exist, um, you know, we're all going to do our jobs as good restructuring bankers to figure out what is the most appropriate way to get a deal done uh, for all of our clientele. Uh, so I absolutely see there to be a continued type of, uh, let's call it uh, creative, uh, you know, solutions around a number of these balance sheet issues. Okay, thank um, you. But, but, but related to that, I mean, we're starting to see, um, you know, even extensions that on the surface look like uh, amend to extend transactions, um, but they have coercive elements to them. They may not be closing with those coercive elements uh, completely built in, but the starting point uh, for where the amendments get launched um, have had that element to them. So there's been, you know, a fair amount of, you know, uh, you know, I guess nuanced structure around a number of the, you know, uh, situations that have hit the market in the early part of this year. 
Okay, thank you. Now, you mentioned middle market, and Reorg, of course, covers middle market private credit. Um, has that part of the market experienced any different kind of activity than the larger cap? And, and I guess if you could, just how is middle market different structurally, I suppose, from the larger cap market? And how would private credit play into that? Yeah, it's it's important. Interesting that you brought in private credit, because I think that is a a large driver of distinction in these markets. Um, so uh, we we broadly define the mid market. We don't you know put a pin in a specific number, but you could broadly think of it as you know below the three billion dollar you know capital structure size uh, metric. And direct lending has plays a big uh, role in the financing of a number of these companies. Um, where the traditional leverage loan or bond market has not been available for some of these mid-market businesses, direct lending has been open for some time. Um, they're sitting; many of these funds are sitting flush with capital to allocate. And what's important in the direct lending market is that the capital, while it's not going to come, you know, necessarily on a headline cheaper rate basis, it comes with flexibility that the traditional market doesn't typically provide. Um, so, um, you know, from data from our capital advisory team at Baird, um, I was surprised to see this fact, but in January of this year, 23, we actually had more uh, direct uh, lender financing uh, closed on than January of 22. Um, so uh, when rates were in a different ballpark, as I mentioned before. Um, so, you know, th there is that attractive financing uh, that is available for businesses that um, you know have a need to, um, to to tap the market. Okay, great, thank you. And what do you think, or do you have a sense of how private equity sponsors will be proactive in this cycle to uh, modify or remedy or address the balance sheets of their portfolio companies? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned before, and you know, as everyone listening to the podcast is aware. Um, the market was so active in 21, uh, given where the rate environment was, that a number of capital structures and the maturity wall has pushed out fairly significantly to the, you know, 25 plus year, uh, you know, 25 and beyond uh, timeframe. But with that said, um, there are a number of businesses that are going through transitions. Um, there's cyclicality in businesses. And I anticipate that there's actually going to be some more proactivity amongst, um, you know, sponsors, corporate clients of ours um, that, you know, may need a little bit more time than, you know, a, you know, a two year window may provide. But there are uh, situations um, where we've seen, you know, very creative, uh, you know, extensions or exchanges being done in the marketplace such that, um, you know, Company sponsors are able to buy that time that is necessary to execute on their business plans and turnarounds. Um, you know, I think the uh, you know the 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 mantra that we we tend to you know follow internally and with with our clients is you know the more the earlier you are to situations, um, the more optionality you have. And when you can think through what the right options are, you don't necessarily need to execute on them uh, all of them. But at least you know um, what doors are still open, and the longer you wait, the more doors that close. Um, so, um, you know, I do think that uh, just given the, you know, the, the I'd say the 
um, complexity of the types of deals that are out there, there is more of a appetite from you know both sponsors and, and corporate clients to engage in the right transaction, um, you know, earlier rather than later. Okay, thank you. Very wise words. Um, now, one more question, and this is perhaps most important of all. Uh, my daughter is going on a school trip to Philadelphia this spring. What is the best place to get a cheesesteak? Is it Pat's or is it Gino's? <laughs> um, so, uh, of the two, I would pick Pat's. Um, I mean, they're both iconic uh, institutions. So, if you're going to that, um, you know, going to South Philly, uh, she should definitely get both and see which one she prefers. Um, uh, the, the place that I always preferred growing up uh, was uh, Jim's on South Street, uh, but unfortunately they're closed. They had a fire. Um, but when they do reopen and they will be back, um, uh, Jim's is definitely uh, my favorite. Oh, thank you. And, and as long as we're on the subject of favorite, who's your favorite Philadelphia Eagle of all time? <laughs> um, well, uh, I would say... Uh, of all time, it's probably Reggie White. Um, he, uh, you know, watching some of the old games and, uh, you know, I, I love the old, you know, Kelly Green uh, uniforms, uh, you know, that we grew up on. But uh, Reggie White is that is that iconic player that, you know, I always always resonates with uh, that time when we were all kids. Okay, great. Well, Ajay, thank you very much for being with us and sharing your wisdom. And thank you to our listeners for...